Hello, Bucks. I'm Downey Allen. Coming up on this special edition of BucksCast, hear from our new head of school, Marcel Gautier. You will learn about his background in education, what attracted him to Country Day, his fascination with food, and discover a few of Gautier's favorite things. So stay tuned. BucksCast is coming your way right now. The Country Day community has a new head of school who will be officially starting the job in July of 2022. Marcel Gautier is the 12th head of school in our history. He follows former head of school Mark Reed and current interim head of school David Mankos. I'm thrilled to be joined by Mr. Gautier in the studio via phone line. Thanks for joining us on this November morning, 2021. Welcome to BucksCast, Mr. Gautier. Well, thank you for having me. And it's uh, exactly 12 hours later where I am. So I just watched the sunset an hour ago. So you're actually calling from China. So that's that's really cool. Um, so you're also working in your last year as the head of school at the Shanghai American School. Can you tell us a little more about your job? We have two campuses that are complete schools, pre-K through 12. And uh, one is on one side of Shanghai. And we call it the Pushi Campus. It's on the Pushi side. It's the older side of Shanghai. And the newer side, on the other side of the Yangpu River, is Pudong. And we have uh, a second campus there. Um, and a head of school here is, um, you know, it's a bit like a CEO. You have uh, two huge campuses and you have two heads of campus, um, but you have overarching uh, officers and, and uh, academic leaders that I work with, uh, including, you know, HR directors. Uh, chief academic officer, uh, technology director. And so it's a, it's a pretty large school, uh, just under 3,000 students. Uh, and they're, they all hold foreign passports. And so we are an international school. We are guests of China. Uh, and we're allowed to deliver the education we want to, uh, primarily because uh, we uh, are bound to ensure that we don't educate what they call PRC citizens. Um, that we only educate expats. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my job is you know, similar. In, in some ways, it's similar to head of school than to a private school in the States. Uh, this is the equivalent of a private school uh, here in Shanghai. Um, my, you know, I work very closely with the Board of Trustees. Uh, I do a lot of work on, on strategy, academic strategy. Uh, and of course, my job is to be sort of the operational and community leader at the school. Um, and it's been an, an amazing run for six years uh, and an extraordinary education uh, to be in an international context and to kind of think about an American education through an international lens. So I've appreciated the time. Yeah, that's really cool. One cool thing about Country Day is we also have two campuses. We have the lower school, upper school campus, and then we have 10 minutes down the road, we have the uh, Bissell campus, which is the middle school. That's a pretty cool parallel there. So, Mr. Gautier, you and your wife, Cheryl, have been married since 1993, and I hear that you two are both looking forward to living on campus. Can you tell us a little more about your family? Sure. Cheryl and I met when I was in graduate school. Uh, I had taught taught and coached for four years in L.A., and then I traveled to North Carolina, and that's where I, I was working on my Master's of Fine Arts. And she had just finished her Master's of Arts in American Literature in England at the University of Sussex. 
Um, and she was um, figuring out what her next steps were. She was working in the library. She was tutoring. She was writing. Um, and we met. And uh, when I finished my degree, uh, we got married uh, in 93. And um, we, you know, we lived in several places, uh, first in Rochester, New York. And then I took a longer-term teaching job at the Potomac School in McLean, Virginia. And, um, you know, we spent several years. She was a teacher there as well at another school, and we would wake up early each morning and commute from Leesburg into the D.C. area to teach, and then I take the long commute back. Um, but it was there during the eight years that we had our two children, uh, Sophie, uh, who has graduated just uh, this past spring from Lewis and Clark, mm-hmm. and uh, my daughter, Colette, uh, and she is currently a junior at uh, University of Washington in Seattle. Um, and so I had my, my children there and with two young children and a long commute, that was when I decided to, to make a move, uh, into the South. And then I moved to uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina. And that's when I began in leadership as a principal at Spartanburg Day School. And my children spent six years growing up there. And then they spent the rest of their education and childhood growing up in Salt Lake City, uh, where, um, they got a, an appreciation for mountains and, and the West and uh, also a, a different sense of culture. Um, and, you know, right now, uh, they've been in the States. They did spend some time with me here in China early on, but, of course, uh, they needed to go off to college as well. Um, and I haven't seen them for a couple of years. So what I will tell you is uh, definitely looking forward to coming home. Yeah. Um, uniting my family uh, and, you know, reuniting with my wife, uh, reuniting with my daughters, and building a home. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the reasons I chose CCDS um, was a strong sense of community uh, and that strong sense of belonging uh, that I could see that it was a facet uh, of that community. And so uh, it's also coming home to the Carolinas. Yeah. Uh, I feel a strong affinity there. So um, so many, so a lot of good things that are, that are coming together in, in my move to CCDS. So you just mentioned that um, coming to the Carolinas, was that one of the main attractions to our school here? It was one uh, attraction in that I have family. My in-laws live uh, in the Carolinas. Uh, You know, I have close friends there. Uh, And, you know, I had gone to grad school in in Greensboro. Um, And so I would say it was a facet of my choice. It was a place that I wanted to be. The real reason I chose CCDS was CCDS itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dialogues with the, the teachers, the leaders, the board. Um, and I had, I had gotten to know Charlotte Country Day uh, when I was in Spartanburg. So I had uh, friends who had been educators there. I had made several visits to campus for different reasons. Uh, was part of the consortium that was working on some diversity efforts uh, early on, way back. And so it already gotten a, um, a respect for the school. There was an, a, a sense of individuality, uh, a sense of, of not being afraid to be itself, uh, to take the risks that were important that it wanted to take because they were right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I could already sense a strong sense of loyalty. Yeah. What are your hopes for the new head of school? I hope that he will maintain the same focus on community and supporting the faculty and supporting the students. I think that um, Country Day has so many opportunities for faculty, 
professional development and implementing um, exciting curricula in the classroom. And I think we're able to really establish a, a strong relationship with the students through that. And so I, I would like to see that prioritized. I would tell our new head of school that Country Day is a community like most communities right now that are trying to figure out where we move forward in this new future that we're in. And we are looking forward to him guiding us in that path um, as we discover what the new normal is when we get to the other side of the pandemic. My biggest hope is that everything can carry on as it has uh, carried on in all of the years that I've been here, which is absolute excellence, kids that really care, and staff that loves the job that they did. I think that's a good start. So what would you want people to know about you that you maybe haven't talked about yet or that maybe wouldn't show up if we Google searched you? <laughs> that wouldn't show up if you Google searched me. Yeah. Uh, one is that I'm a, I'm a good cook. Mm. Uh, I learned how to cook when I, a long time ago. Uh, my mother studied Julia Child, and so she, she did all recipes and taught me along the way. So I learned at a very young age to cook, and I actually cooked my way through college, working in lodges and things. Um, and so that's a, something a, a, something I've carried forward. Um, I have a love of mountains. Uh, you know, I went to Dartmouth, and I joined the outing club. And things I did after my freshman year, I felt I needed to break as I hiked a good portion of the Appalachian Trail. Oh. And then at that point, fell in love with backpacking the outdoors and climbing. Um, and you wouldn't find that Googling. That's a, a passion of mine, uh, uh -huh. is sort of outdoor education and the mountains. Um, love of photography. Uh, I do a lot of abstract photography. Um, I like to take pictures that compel folks to see things differently than they might. Uh, to force them to look back and realize that you can see things a different way. But I found photography is a, is a good way to do that. I do speak French uh, because that was one of my majors and my father was a French professor. So mm. I did grow up with French. Uh, so there's, those are a few things uh, that, that you, you would not find if you Googled me. Uh, I did have hair as, at one point <laughs> by you. <laughs> so I, um, somewhere in my 30s, I, I had to start making a decision whether it was going to stay or go. It's pretty mm -hmm. clear that my, my genetics were, were going to plague me to the end. Yeah. So has living in Shanghai uh, helped you grow as a cook? I'm really interested in how that's changed your like perspective on cooking. Have you learned a lot while living in China? Well, what I would say is there is never, there's no place in the world I've ever been where you can eat like you can eat in Shanghai. Mm -hmm. It is, it, first it's an international city, so you have all the different cuisines everywhere. Second, the first thing you learn is that there's no such thing, quote, as Chinese food. There's Yunnan, Hunan, Shanghaiese, Sichuan, um, there's Mongolian, um, they're all Cantonese, uh, there are all these different kinds of cuisine because China's so huge mm -hmm. and there are multiple regions. And so the first thing I learned is to learn cooking in China is to actually have to learn how to cook um, a whole pile of different cuisines based on what, what part of China you're actually looking at. And so that's been an amazing journey. Um, and of course, Thai food. Uh, I've had a chance before COVID to visit Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia, uh, Japan. And so I've had an opportunity when I visit to take, you know, 
take a cooking class for a day or two. Uh, it's just given me an incredible appreciation for Asian food and, and the diversity uh, of Asian food, and particularly the diversity of Chinese food. So that's been fun. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a list of your favorites, such as an example, like, what is your favorite color? And you would answer? Green. Green. What was your favorite teacher growing up as a kid? My favorite teacher growing up as a kid was an English teacher by the name of James McClellan. We called him Mac. He was <laughs> my ninth grade English teacher and my advisor for several years at boarding school. What was your favorite elementary school memory? My favorite elementary school memory was probably fourth grade. My teacher left my best friend and I in the library. We were supposed to be there for an hour, but we spent the entire day. Um, and we were perusing atlases. And oh. we were just just kind of going crazy, going through these giant atlases. We were supposed to come back to class, and we didn't. Um, and when she came to get us, she was not happy because she had forgotten she'd left us there all day. So probably the happiest moment was the realization that I had gotten to spend all day in the library looking at atlases mm -hmm. uh, with my best buddy and that our teacher had kind of forgotten we were there. That's really funny. Um, what was what is your favorite children's book that you would maybe want to read to the lower schoolers? Oh, favorite children's book. Um, the storybook that I remember growing up with and my father read to me is The Little Engine That Could by Wally mm -hmm. Piper. Yeah. It's a classic out of that one. Um, what do you? I still have the pictures in my head. So really, um, oh yeah, I can imagine the original, the original photos, the original book. I can still see the photos very clearly. I kind of forget about all the books that like I've read, and I saw something like The Hungry Hungry Caterpillar. I was like, oh my gosh, that's that's my childhood right there. Like I read that. My mom read that <laughs> book to me all the time. So, um, what book are you yeah. currently reading? Mm -hmm. Like, what's your favorite book that you're reading? Or have read? Well, I don't have a, a favorite book uh, that I have read, um, but I'm reading about three. I like to read a few books at a time. So I'm reading a, a thriller by Daniel Silva, um, and he writes sort of international espionage type stuff. And so I, I enjoy sort of international espionage. If I'm being totally honest, I'm, I'm reviewing some chapters of Understanding by Design by Grant Riggins and Jay McTighe. Mm -hmm. um, because I'm particularly interested in in how you build uh, planning backwards, and we're finalizing a strategic plan, but we're in a prioritization process this year. And so I'm I'm in the midst of rereading uh, an old classic called Understanding by Design, um, and I'm also reading a collection of poems by James Dickey. It's, in, you know, it's this whole collection that's called The Full Motion, and I'm just reading. Kind of going back and, uh, you know, 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, reading a couple poems by James Dickey. So those are the three things that are on my plate besides the, you know, the, the magazines that I like to read articles from, whether it's The Economist, The Atlantic, you know, The New York Times, those things. What are your wife's favorite flowers? Ooh, that's really tricky. Depends on the season. But I would say in the end, I think she fell in love with peonies. Because in our first house, uh, when we actually, you know, sort of found the garden in the backyard, which was covered in vines, it was a house that hadn't been taken care of in a while. 
we discovered that it had rows of peonies, and she took care of them. And so we had these amazing rows of peonies. They had this incredible smell, too. Um, I think she fell in love with, I think she loves old, old roses. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the two, I think, that would come to mind. As far as shrubs, I would have to say the lilacs. She loves lilacs. Yeah. Um, what is her favorite food that you that she likes you to cook for her? Oh, uh, well, she's like me. She she loves a great variety of food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think her favorite food would be seafood, any kind of seafood, whether it's shrimp or salmon, um, crab. Uh, that's her favorite kind of food. What is your favorite COVID takeout for, like, dinners? COVID takeout? Well, there's something here in China called Sherpa's. And Sherpa's, I can order from one of a hundred different restaurants in the city, and it's delivered to me by scooter. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a favorite, but I would say my my favorite is this great service here in Shanghai called Sherpa's, where no matter what restaurant it is, I can get takeout delivered straight to my door. Yeah. Um, but I would say the one I ordered from the most since I've been here... Um, you would not know because it's not in the U.S. It's called Wagas, and it's a mix of Western and Chinese, but they do some fantastic dishes. Yeah, so here we have Uber Eats and DoorDash, which is kind of like that. At your house, you can be like, oh, I want Chick-fil-A, and then somebody will pick it up and bring it to your house. Kind of the same thing. Yeah, it's exactly that, and there's this app that you use here, and it makes it easy. Mm-hmm. So what is your favorite app? Like on your phone. Well, the, I hate to say it, but my favorite app in China has become something called WeChat. And WeChat is used for everything. You pay for things, you communicate, you video, you do photographs. Mm-hmm. Um, you can leave um, auditory messages, video messages. It does absolutely everything. Um, you, you know, So that app more or less defines our lives. Uh, connects our community. It holds it together. There are massive groups through which we communicate. It helps define our emergency system, our day-to-day. So the app that I use the most, and it is very much China, is called WeChat. Um, so I would say that's probably the one that's my favorite at this point, only because I spend so much time using it. Is that your favorite app to talk to your family on, or do you use a different app to talk to your family Oh, my family is all on WeChat right now. Okay. Um, they also, they do use WhatsApp, mm-hmm. but WhatsApp demands that I have a VPN. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you, and I need a, a, you know, a, a virtual private network in order to be able to use the internet in China because most of what I would want to access that has some Western connection is blocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call it the Great Firewall of China. Um, they like to control the information coming in. And so I have to have a VPN. So WhatsApp is an app. and But I can, if I have a VPN and I have it on, uh, I can communicate. I can FaceTime with my family and things like that. Yeah. So um, what is your favorite game to play with your family, like a card game or a board game? There is a, a game called... Uh, I think in the States they call it Rook, but where I grew up it was called Belot, B-E-L-O-T-E. Mm-hmm. And it's a partner card game 
where you take out the twos, threes, and fours, um, and it has Trump and you know, dealer, and the goal is to accumulate a certain number of points with your partner over time. It's, it's get to use strategy, but it's easy enough that you can goof off and laugh. And unlike bridge, you can, you can uh, not be serious. Yeah. And have a good time. So, um, what was your favorite track event? I know that you were a track star. Yeah. Um, I, well, it was, it was, it was my passion, uh, for a long time. Um, my favorite event in was always the, the mile or the 1600. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a perfect combination of endurance and speed and strength. And, um, so it was a good combination for me because I had a little bit of all three. Yeah. I mentioned earlier that I do the sprints and the pole vaulting. So for me, I do, yeah. um, I'll do all the, like the sprint workouts and like all the starts and all that. And then I'll go over and hang out with my buddies at pole vaulting. It's kind of like a break while, <laughs> while still working. Cause I'm, I'm really my only friend that does not that I, I'm not friends with the, uh, the sprinters, but I'm really my only close friend that does the sprinting. But, um, two of my really close friends do pole vaulting as well. So I'll go over there and talk to them and hop on the, and hop on the, uh, the mat, you know, just jump a little up there. No, I, I have to tell you, when I was uh, coaching, I always had to remind my pole vaulters that, that the goal was not to sit on the mat. Yeah. The goal was to get off the mat. <laughs> but the mat is comfortable. They say, yeah, oh, it's you know, really comfortable. comfortable. So, I know. Uh, I Trust me. I, I'm, I'm aware. I coached track for a bunch of years and loved it. Um, but I think there is, you know, it's funny because there is a difference uh, some of, in between sprinters and long-distance runners, I find. Though there, you know, there, you can't really generalize, um, but there's some difference in mentality over time, and I can't quite summarize what it is. But people, you know, one you, you separate by talent, but the other is there's a natural sense of, of uh, what a workout is and um, how you prepare for races and things like that. They're just slightly different. Mm-hmm. All right, and the final question of the day is: What is your favorite place that you have been in the whole world? <laughs> you like superlatives. Yeah. Um, the favorite place I have been, yeah, there there are several, but the, the place that comes to mind to me is a big Cottonwood Canyon outside of Salt Lake City um, because it's this beautiful canyon road. We lived right next to it for six years, and I still own a home there. And you drive up and you drive and there are ski resorts and trails and there's lakes at the top and the seasonal changes there are just stunning. Uh, and my, my daughters really fell in love with the outdoors mm-hmm. uh, when we moved to Salt Lake. And so we would drive up almost every weekend. And so it became my favorite place. Cause it, yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Marcel Gutierrez. We, we really appreciate you joining us all the way from China this morning, or I guess this evening for you. Well, it's early morning for you, and, and it's the end of my, well, it's not the end of my evening, but it's certainly evening for me. But I hope you have a, you know, a fantastic close to this first semester and that you really are enjoying your senior year. Thank you so much, and I hope you have a safe and um, fun end to your final year at the Shanghai American School. Thank you so much, Sonny. You've 
been listening to Bugscast, a production of Kicks Podcasting and Journalism class at Charlotte Country Day. Our conversation with the new head of school was so good, we would love to share more with you on the next episode. You all will hear how Marcel Gauthier has been coping with the COVID restrictions in China and how it's impacted educators and students around the globe. We'll also find out how he plans to tackle some of today's biggest issues when he arrives at our school this July. I'm Downey Allen. Thank you for listening to Bugscast, and we'll see you around Country Day.